0: Two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives to empower us to have an eternal impact on the people around us, specifically through the church, the body of Christ, us all using our abilities together, you doing what you do well, and I do what I do well, and you put all that together, and you have a healthy, strong, effective church that's able to advance the kingdom of God, see people come to know Jesus, see people grow up in their faith and their walk with Christ and 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 gifts and abilities and skills, what the Bible refers to as spiritual gifts, are incredibly important. What, what I want to say today, though, is giftedness is not the end of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, and I would go so far as to say it's not even the priority of what God is doing in us. It's important. It's just not the priority. It's not the greatest thing that is at work when the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. So, so, I want to talk about this other component of the Spirit's work in our lives. And there's kind of two categories, two titles. One of them is what I just mentioned the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit empowers in us. He gives us abilities and skills, and, and He uses those for eternal purposes. But then the Bible uses another phrase. Paul, in particular, uses a phrase, and the phrase is the fruit of the Spirit, which is different from the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit is, well, the character transformation that's happening in our heart. It's conforming our heart more and more to the person of Jesus so that as the Holy Spirit is working in us, that is coming out of us. People are recognizing more and more The Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So this is how I would say it. The Holy Spirit works in us to produce a deeper quality of person, individual, and a deeper quality of life. He's he's making me into a, a, a deeper person who looks and responds and thinks and communicates more and more like Jesus would. If he were here, conforming me into the image of Jesus is one of the dominant works of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the, the work of God in the world, the work of the Holy Spirit, is, is not just focused on getting things done, although getting things done is important. Uh, he, he, he's not just focused on, well, let's make a bigger church, or let's get more people, or let's grow a larger community group, or, or let's have more of this, or greater of this. Nothing wrong with all of that. And all of those things could be a sign of great health and the work of the Holy Spirit. But that's not where His work ends, or the priority of His work, His work is always in you, in me, transforming us. You you read the life of Jesus, and He kept saying, the important part is not the outside of the cup, but what's going on inside, and that was a metaphor for our lives. It's not just what I look like externally, but it's who I'm coming to be internally, and that's still the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the challenge for us is it's so much easier to see abilities and skills than it is to see what's going on in our hearts. And when you look at me, you, you can identify some things I'm good at and some, some things I'm not real good at and some skills you may think I have and some skills you think I, I, I don't have. And maybe you think I think I have those skills. I don't really have those skills. You, you can evaluate, you can measure skills, gifts, talents it's much more difficult to measure what's happening in the heart, which is why I'm going to say later in the the message, maybe we shouldn't try to measure each other's heart. Maybe we should just try to measure our heart because it's hard enough to know what's going on in my heart and impossible for me to know what's going on in your heart. But that's actually where the most important work of the Holy Spirit is taking place. You find this when you read the New Testament and, and you get into these passages that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. One of the best examples, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, are Paul's most exhaustive discussion of the gifts of the Spirit, the things that you may be able to do when you serve and work in the kingdom of God. In 12 and 14, he spends a lot of time saying, these are some of the gifts you might have. These are good ways to use those gifts. These are not so good ways. These are things you need to be careful of. These are ways you should never think about using your gifts. So this extensive treatment of spiritual gifts, but he gets to the end of chapter 12, and he writes, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. In other words... I've told you what the gifts are. I've told you how the gifts are supposed to be used. Now I'm going to tell you something even better than that. And he spends all of chapter 13 talking about how we're supposed to love each other. How you can be really gifted and skilled and talented, whatever word you want to use for it. You can be really gifted, but if you aren't compassionate towards other people, that lack of compassion cancels out your giftedness. It overshadows whatever abilities you may have. This is how he starts chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I'm an incredible communicator, Paul says... And he talks about teaching as as a gift that the Holy Spirit will use. If if that's you, if you're like an incredible teacher, unbelievable communicator, everybody sees that giftedness in you. And Paul says, if you can do that, but you don't have love for other people, like your heart doesn't go out to other people, your heart isn't getting bigger for people, then you're just noisy. You're not really a good teacher. You're just loud and kind of obnoxious, and you just make a lot of noise. But you don't have long-lasting effectiveness if your heart's not being transformed into the person of Jesus. He, he, he goes on in verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And there's nothing in that list that we would say is a bad thing. Like it's great to have faith. It's great to have wisdom and be able to solve mysteries, have knowledge, those are great things. It is great to give possessions to the poor and care for the needy. All of those are great things. And Paul says, they don't matter. They don't matter if you don't have love. If you compassionately care for other people, your giftedness is ineffective long-term. He, he goes on in the chapter to define what he means by love, and he uses words like, well, that means you're patient, that means you're kind, that means you're you're not keeping record of every time somebody messes up. If that's you, then that cancels out your giftedness. you're, You're able to endure, bear with people that maybe you don't get along with. You're growing in kindness. This is what it would look like if you were living according to what Paul says is the most excellent way. Now, again, that's hard for us. Because I think as, as human beings, especially the part of the world we, we live in, we are wired to make judgments based on outward abilities more than inward qualities. We're wired to take notice when somebody's good at something. And, and to be fair... As I said, that's the easiest thing to notice, it's the easiest thing to measure, it's the easiest thing to compare. You can say, you're better at something than I am. That's kind of an easy, measurable scale. You can say, I'm not as good as that person. Those visible outward, qual- the things that we do, easier to see, easier to evaluate, easier to measure. Paul says that's not the dominant work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That that is not the priority of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. He's doing a work below the surface, on the inside of you, and on the inside of me. The the priority of His work, according to the New Testament, the priority of His work in our life and our hearts is always heart over abilities, not abilities over heart. Priority is always... Heart over abilities, not abilities over heart. Internal over external, not external over internal. What is really happening in me. And as I said, I I have limited, almost no ability to discern where you are on the scale of what God's doing on the inside of you. I have almost no ability to tell that. But, But what I can try to measure, what I can try to get a grasp on is... To what degree am I yielding to the Holy Spirit and growing in the qualities that He says I'm supposed to be growing in? Here's what I think is true. I think where the fruit of the Spirit is not present in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit are not effective in our lives. At least not over the long haul. Again, we can fool people. People can notice our giftedness. But as far as eternal impact, and certainly as far as an impact over months and years, the degree to which I'm lacking in the character work, the fruit work, the love work, the patience and kindness work of the Holy Spirit in my heart, that's going to cancel out the effectiveness of whatever giftedness I have. We all, just on a practical level, we all know what it's like to be around somebody who's really good at something, but nobody really likes them. All right? Don't look at anybody in the room, but we've all worked with that person. We've all worked with a person that, yes, they will get the job done, but they don't control their temper. They're full of pride. They take all the credit at the end of the project. They're miserable, they're ornery, they're critical, they're negative about everything. And yes, they will accomplish the goal and we will all hate each other when we get finished. We we know what those people are like. And so Paul, from a spiritual perspective, is saying, look, you can be really good at stuff. You can be really good at important stuff. You can be really good at potentially eternal things. But if you are not becoming who God designed you to be on the inside, eventually, maybe not at first, eventually, your lack of developing the fruit of God's Spirit, the character of Jesus, is going to eventually cancel out however good you are at some other thing. Paul doesn't just do this in 1 Corinthians 13. In Romans chapter 12... He takes up this topic of spiritual gifts again. Verses 3 through 8, Paul talks about spiritual giftedness. You you may be good at this. You may be good at this. You may may use this gift in the church. You may use this gift in ministry. You may use this gift for the kingdom of God. Verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another above yourselves. Honor one another Above yourselves. Giftedness is great. Skills are great. Talent's great. Just make sure in your giftedness, you're learning to love people. In your giftedness, you're honoring people above yourself. You're caring about other people besides yourself. We can't separate somebody's really good at this, but they're just not a very nice person. I mean, the New Testament doesn't allow us to do that. The New Testament says, yeah, you've got some gifts, you've got some talents that are going to be used, and while you're using those talents, you should be changing from the inside out. Paul specifically labels these the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit produces in us if we are surrendered to Him, if we are yielded to the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 is where he uses this phrase. Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. It's never wrong to be one of these things, Paul says. It's never wrong. Never a bad idea. To be this type of person, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, never wrong. If if you are yielding to the Holy Spirit, that's who you should become. Trying to figure out, uh, is my life yielded to the Holy Spirit? Kind of a simple thing. I know we've said there's a lot about the Holy Spirit that's mysterious there are a lot of things about the Holy Spirit we won't completely figure out in this life. This is not one of those. Paul gets very clear. He says, this is a simple test. If you want to know, are you walking according to the Spirit? Are you living in the Spirit? Are you yielded to the Spirit? You can ask yourself, am I becoming a more loving person? Am I more joyful now? Am I more at peace than I once was? Am I showing kindness to a greater degree? Am I, am I showing goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Am I exhibiting these qualities to a greater degree in my life than I did at one time? Again, for all we may not know about the Holy Spirit, this is a pretty simple test. And it's not a, it's not a comparison between you and somebody else. It can be helpful... To look at somebody who's farther down the spiritual path than us and go, that, that person is really good at patience and self-control. I would love to learn from them. That's fine. It can be good to look at uh, another person who's farther down the road than you are when it comes to gentleness or kindness or joy or peace and say, I want to be more like that. I want to talk to them. I want to find out how they develop that quality in their life. That's fine. What we shouldn't do is compare where we are with where they are because they aren't us and we aren't them. The question is not, am I better at this list than you? And the question is not, are you better at this list than somebody else? The, the question is this, am I better at this list than I used to be? Am I better at this list than I used to be? A- am I better at having self-control than I was a year ago? Do, do I live with a deeper sense of abiding peace than I did five years ago or six months ago. My kindness towards other people. Is that expanding? When I look back over my life, is that expanding or or am I getting more ornery the older I get? Which is it? Because that will tell you the degree to which you're yielding to the Spirit in your life, to the degree to which He's at work in you. None of us are going to be perfect at this immediately. For, for none of us, we're not going to flip a switch and all of a sudden all of this fruit of the Spirit is going to be magically in our lives. The Bible uses a phrase, and um, I don't think any of you have used it in a sentence this week, but it, it, it's, it's the word sanctification, sanctification. Uh, The spiritual idea of sanctification is the process of making us more and more like Jesus. And when I come to faith, when I give my life to Christ, I I, I bring with it all of my past and my experiences and, and my upbringing, my DNA and my genetics. I bring all of that and submit that to Christ. And then as I follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to shape me more and more into the person of Christ. So that over time, I become more like this list in the fruit of the Spirit. I grow more like Jesus over time because the Holy Spirit is continuing to work on me, continuing to work in my life, continuing to work in your life. Now, anybody have fake fruit in their house? Or your grandparents had fake fruit when you went to visit them? That looks like real fruit, like from a Especially if you're a kid, it's one of the cruelest tricks that grandparents play. Right? It looks like real fruit, but it's actually not. Right? I mean, it looks real. It's like an apple, and it's like a pear, like another pear, and a Granny Smith apple. And grapes, grapes are the best thing, right? Because they're shiny. And once you figured out they were fake, you could pull them off and throw them at your siblings, right? That was the best part that you got in trouble for. But they look real until you taste them. And then that's a big letdown. Right? They they look real. But they don't taste real. They're not sweet. They, they don't satisfy hunger. They provide no nourishment that we know of, no vitamins, right? nothing. They're fake. Here's the thing we have to guard against in Christian community, especially, in church, especially. We know, most of us have been in church long enough, we know this person that we're supposed to be. And we often devise ways of making it look like we're that person. At least when we're around other people in Christian community. We know we're supposed to be kind or gentle or faithful or self-control. And we can, as followers of Jesus, we can devise ways of faking it, of bearing fake fruit. At least when we're around each other. The Holy Spirit is not in us. He is not present. He is not powerfully working in the world To produce a faux Christianity in our hearts. He's he's not in us just to make us look like good fruit. He's in us to actually transform us into good fruit. To change us from the inside out. So that the person that we portray on Sunday is the person that we are on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Not perfectly. None of us are perfect. Perfect. But there is this consistency about who we are in all our environments and around all of the people that we are around. And when we come to work, there's this consistency in the person that I'm trying to be on this day as there is the rest of the week and the rest of my life. We're all familiar in church world with the word hypocrite. Um, It gets used a lot about politicians and religious people. It It gets thrown around a lot. You probably know the word hypocrite comes from the Greek drama days, Greek theater. And hypocrite identified a stage actor because during uh, Greek drama uh, times, the way you would portray an actor is you would take a mask and you would hold it in front of your face and, and that's how people knew which character you were. And often the same actor would play multiple characters. So they'd have this mask and then they'd put on another mask and they would become another character. So the the word hypocrite originally meant something like from behind the mask. In other words, that's not who they really were. They were speaking from behind a mask as if they were that person. That word eventually becomes our word for for hypocrite. You're not the same person. You're not consistent. You're, You're fake fruit. The Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is, is even out who we are in all our environments and in all of our relationships. And in all of our moments, the moments when things are going great and the moments when we're struggling, when things are difficult, the, the, the moments when our, when our dreams are realized and the, and the moments when we're frustrated and let down, that we would consistently be this person who is more and more being formed into the image of of Jesus. And no, we're not going to be perfect at it. We're not going to be perfect at it all the time. But this process of sanctification is going to be at work in our heart so that I am progressively becoming more like what Paul describes when he describes the fruit of the Spirit. Our tendency is to look at that list and other lists like it in the Bible and think, oh, I could never be that with my personality, with my temperament. I mean, those are great words. I'd like to be that. I could never be that. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know my parents. You don't know my DNA. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the temper that I inherited from, fill in the blank. I mean, It's our tendency to look at the list and go, I can do those couple, but I will never be that. The Bible says we can be this. That the Holy Spirit can transform us into this list of the fruit of the Spirit. And and in one sense, you're right. You can't be that person, but you don't have to be that person by yourself. It's, It's not up to you to figure out how to become that person. It's up to us to yield to the Holy Spirit so that He can make that transformation within us, to surrender to Him, to allow Him to have His work in us, this sanctifying process. And so maybe the next time when circumstances don't work out, you would be reminded, the Holy Spirit's making me more into the image of Jesus through this thing. The next time you have to be around that person that you have the least amount of patience with, the Holy Spirit's transforming me into the fruit of the Spirit through this person that I don't like being around. The next time you're waiting in line, which will probably be after you leave the church today because we wait in line all the time, right? Tomorrow morning you're in traffic. The Holy Spirit is using all of those moments to develop in us the fruit of God's Spirit that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus more and more in our lives. So let's not look at this list and go, well, I can't. That's impossible. I would never because of... We sang a song earlier as we were worshiping together, and it had the line, I am who you say I am. God, I am who you say I am. We are not simply a bundle of dna or a mixture of genetics we are not simply a big ball of all of our experiences the scripture has said you and i can be transformed more into the image of jesus and we are who god says we are and god has said you can make progress on this you can grow in this area of the fruit of the Spirit. So instead of looking at the list and, and thinking, well, I'll, I'll never, I can't, maybe think of it this way. Think, I'm going to imperfectly display the fruit of the Spirit while the Spirit is perfecting His fruit in me. Man, I'm going to own that I'm not good at all of this right now. I'm, I'm not 100% on this whole list that Paul gives us But I'm going to keep imperfectly displaying all of these characteristics as the Holy Spirit keeps making me better, keeps making me, I'm not going to give up on me, I'm not going to give up on the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I am going to believe that He is continuing to work in my life. I told you two weeks ago that I think one of the keys to life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit of God, is just awareness that He is at work, like no... Being aware every day that I get Holy Spirit's at work, and I, and I can move in step with Him. And, and the circumstances of my life, the Holy Spirit's at work in those, and there, there aren't coincidences, and there aren't luck, and the Holy Spirit is always moving in my life. So I'm just going to be aware of that. I'm going to be grateful for that. Here's another word that I think is important for life in the Spirit, and it's the word faith. Actually believing what God tells us in His Word. Believing that it's true. Believing that God would never command something of us that God can't bring to pass. He would never command us to live this way and be this way. If His Spirit wasn't capable of giving us the ability to live that way. Believing it. Having faith. There are not simply spiritual consequences to living outside of the power of God's Spirit. There aren't simply spiritual consequences to resisting the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. There are relational consequences as well. There's relational conflict. When I'm not yielding to the Spirit and becoming more loving and more joyful and more peaceful and faithful and good and patient and and. Developing self-control. There are relational consequences to that. And I don't, I don't want to minimize uh, relational conflict. But more than likely, if there's a marriage that's in conflict, then there's probably one or both of those spouses who, who aren't yielding to the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in their life. I mean, that, that's not just conflict in here. That conflict spills over. When there's conflict in churches... Usually, because somebody's not yielded to the Holy Spirit. Like this, this fruit of love and patience and self control, forbearance and goodness and meekness, it, it's not growing in all of our hearts, and that leads to conflict when there's uh, conflict uh, among friends, conflict in the workplace. Typically, it's because somebody's not submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit. So, there's not just spiritual consequences between me and God, there's relational consequences. When the fruit of the Spirit is not growing in my heart. So, so our, challenge, our challenge is, let's don't bear fake fruit. Let, let, let's not just be people who have the right words and the right verbiage. And we know the, the way to appear fruitful in our life. But there's not a genuine work of God's Spirit happening in our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you that we are not left alone to try to combat our natural tendencies because left on our own, we could not be the people that Paul describes. Uh, left to our own DNA, our, our own genetics, uh, our own upbringing, the role models that we saw throughout our life. Well, there's some of those areas we would, we would never master that. We would never become that person. But we're not told to bear the fruit of the Spirit on our own. We're told that the Spirit will do that in us if we yield to Him. If we're honest about our shortcomings and our struggles, and, and we make ourselves available to the work of your Spirit, that, that He will transform us. And so help us take a hard look in the mirror. Help us, help us not to excuse things that we see. Help us not to say, I'll never, it's not me, because it may not be me, but the work of the Spirit can make it so. Father, some of us are are fabulously gifted, some of us are very knowledgeable, some of us are great intellectually, but we use our giftedness as an excuse to not treat people well, to, to not love well, to not be compassionate, to not forgive well to not be gentle or faithful or have self-control. Forgive us of that sin and help us to yield our hearts fully to the work of your Spirit. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.